0: everyone welcome to the proletariat lariat we're back after a couple weeks um with episode 13 lucky 13 (laughs) um this is zach i'm with austin and dq and our guest running in uh m fear
1: hey how's it going it's going good Uh, yeah
0: you want to introduce yourself like what got you into wrestling and yeah that's how we kind of like do the ice breaking first part
1: yeah, sure. So I'm Fear, and I'm the co-host of the weekly women's wrestling podcast, Grit and Glitter, um, along with uh, Harley R. Paget. We, for uh, almost two years, we ran a uh, Ring of Honor-specific podcast for the PW Torch, and then um, we uh, became a little disenchanted with Ring of Honor at that time. That would have been... Uh, bleh, fall of 2019 so we decided to uh stop doing that and uh luckily wade keller at the torch was really kind and let us um instead do a weekly podcast about women's wrestling and then after about a year on the torch we decided that it was time to spread our wings and fly 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 little birdies away from the nest and strike off on our own so we just took the show outside of the torch and so yeah, now we, um, we exist beyond there and we're independent and it feels so good. And we, uh, yeah, we create a weekly podcast focused on women and non-cis men in wrestling. So that also includes people who um, identify on a lot of different marginalized genders. And we also cover a lot of uh, in the world of LGBTQ plus wrestling. Um, we feature a lot of that uh, throughout the year. Uh, we do a lot of targeted stuff in June, but like pretty much all year round, we're talking about queer wrestling. Um, yeah. So I got into wrestling in 2018. My partner had been a huge fan of wrestling whenever he was younger and he fell off for a variety of reasons. A lot of reasons, when a lot of people fell off. Um, the end of WCW, bleeding into WWE, becoming what it became. Um, a couple of really bad, bad tragedies um, in wrestling also informed that. And he kind of grew away from it, but then he had an injury in 2018 and he was laid up for a couple of weeks. And during that time, as one does, uh, this was like January, February. So it was like, like nothing to do. And he had to basically stay in bed for a long stretch of time. Um, he rediscovered wrestling through what was going on in new Japan and in ring of honor kind of bleeding over, um, in that partnership. And that was right around the time that the golden levers were reunited, it was um, oh, all kinds of things. It was a uh, Castle the, being the current champion of Ring of Honor, uh, New Japan, Akata was still champion, but Omega was on the way back up. Uh, it was a bu- bunch, of, bunch of things happening, and it was just a golden era. So he got back into wrestling through that and got me introduced to it uh, through a variety of things, but um, like a lot of people who got into wrestling in 2018, it was the Golden Lovers that kind of was my gateway drug, so to speak. But I am a librarian and kind of just a nerd about most things. So if I get into something, I go really hard. And within like a month, I was just like absorbing whatever I could find. I was watching Manami Toyota matches. I was watching um I was watching a, a Super J Cup from the nineties. I was watching Classic WCW. I was watching um uh StarCades. I was watching pretty much anything I could get my hands on, um, anything that was recommended, and uh, yeah, within a couple of months, I had just lucked into you know meeting Harley online, and then I was covering Ring of Honor on a regular basis. So it was pretty much a slippery slope for me, and yeah, I've been hooked ever since. And I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't watch hardly any WWE, so uh, can't talk about it. Couldn't tell you what's happening. I know that there was uh, some interesting. From a labor perspective, some interesting stuff happening with Sasha Banks and Naomi. Um, I watch once a year, I watch the Rumble because it's fun, um, but it's also disappointing. And it's a great thing of like, I'm watching this, but it's also a great reminder of why I don't watch WWE. Um, I don't even watch WrestleMania. I just don't. I don't care. I don't want to watch it. I don't care about WWE. I think there's amazing wrestlers there, but I'm not interested in the work that they're doing there because a lot of that work is compromised. Um, I do watch AEW. Um and I'm not up on new Japan as much as I was. Like I was, when I was in the hardcore fan phase of, of new Japan, I was getting up at four 30 in the morning to watch shows live as they happened. And I don't do that for a variety of reasons. I'm older. I'm more tired and I have a kid, so I don't really need to lose that much sleep anymore. Um, but I try to keep up as much as I possibly can, but I watch a lot more independent stuff than I used to. Um, and a lot of that is because independent wrestling TV and a lot of other streaming services have made it so damn easy. So uh there's really no excuse for people not to like follow some indies, especially with the like level of talent that's working out there. Yeah. Sorry. That was long.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I, I saw this in my, I saw this in uh <laughs> behind the curtain, I saw your descent into wrestling fandom as my organ. Or I've always said, it, it's kind of funny. Like I, my burnout with wrestling was happening as soon as yours was rising, and my was on wrong with my organizing now my organizing's starting to go down and now my wrestling's starting to come back up. <laughs> I mean, not to say you haven't organized other stuff, but it's always like, yeah, but it's like yeah, it's just fun how the sine wave <laughs>
1: yeah, it definitely dovetailed um my my deep dive into wrestling definitely dovetailed with a lot of frustrations I was having on a lot of different fronts, and it was a really needed catharsis at a time where I needed something that was, you know, fundamentally simple. You know, when you're sitting in meetings for hours and people can't agree on like the punctuation to use at the end of a like a statement, it is incredibly cathartic to watch a situation where people solve it through just like throwing someone through a table. And the more frustrated and like with stasis that I got, the more upset with stagnation, the more like tired I was of people just yelling at each other fruitlessly back and forth, the more I enjoyed watching people bleed on each other in ring. So I definitely understand that kind of rise and fall. For me, it was a, like an absolutely necessary catharsis. And I'm not like a particularly like personally violent person, but like I got a lot of like, like a lot of personal gratification of being able to watch professionals do this in a way that was like at least somewhat like safe and certainly consented and condoned.
2: I vibe with that so much. Em. And, and like we were kind of talking a little bit uh, off air and and like we've talked about it in previous episodes, I, I feel like, you know, growing up, I was really into wrestling, fell out of it. Kind of like you described with your partner and only in the last couple of years, in fact, a very similar timeframe, I got back into it. And I think a lot of it was for the reasons you describe like that, that sense of catharsis and just like you say, seeing somebody throw a steel chair at somebody else or whatever. And like, Not even that, even like expanding it. And once again, maybe this is a little too philosophical or whatever, since it's just pro wrestling at the end of the day. Right. But like, I almost feel like something that is particularly cathartic for me when I watch wrestling is that pro wrestling is one of the very few things in our lives. And there's another thing I've said in the past, one of the very few things in our lives that acknowledges it's a work. Right, as opposed to things like politics, which is definitely a work but acts like it's real, you know. So, I tell people, no, no, no you've got it twisted. Pro wrestling is one of the few real, truthful things in our lives because it acknowledges that it's rigged, unlike other things. Anyways,
0: try to find a segue into like our icebreaker, which is talking about inter- like our whole main topic is to intergender wrestling. I'm just thinking, like, go around the board, think of, like, memorable or first-time intergender matches that we watched and really vibed with. I'll start just from me, uh, probably, like, a Candle Saray match. I think it might be the Young... I, I know it's, like, the classic example, the PWG tag match, which is kind of unfortunate in retrospect with the, who her partner was, but uh, the match where the Young Bucks put this the thumbtacks on the the boot and gave her the super kick. It's like it made the Young Bucks in retrospect. They think they, 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 that's the reason they love Candace because they really owe their careers to that match in Candice LeRae in some ways. But yeah, that's always been a match I always have on DVD to watch occasionally.
3: Yo, it's DQ. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in. I think that Candice LeRae was also involved in mine. I mean, I think the first, maybe the first I saw involved China um wrestling like Jeff Jarrett or as much you know even giving like China the intercontinental title at the time like it still felt almost they treated China like such a novelty in so many ways and like didn't build out like a very like robust like intergender kind of like culture to the fed at the time so it was just I don't know, but that I would I would say the ones that really made a mark on me, similarly to Zach, I did I looked up on our, our friends Cage Match here and found the first PWG show I went to, uh, which is in 2012. The, it also involved Candice LeRae and she faced Joey Ryan, and I didn't know either of them before that night, and uh, yeah, I remember the crowd reacting to things that he would do in a, in a kind of a different way They he'd get more heat, you know, and like, no wonder he could draw it like a champ in that way. Right. But like that, uh, Candice, um, was highly competitive in the match. And by the end, I wasn't really thinking about the novelty of the thing. Um, but more, um, just the platform I think that they they gave like that kind of competitiveness in that match of course they blur lines between like weight classes too and but there was obviously something more radical going on there and like pointing more toward the future uh than like just like inter kind of weight class so I'll say Candice LeRae uh versus Joey Ryan at Uh, the PWG uh, show called World's Finest uh, back in 2012?
1: Um, So uh, mixed-gender wrestling is a huge spot of mine. It was something I gravitated to immediately when I got into wrestling. So um, I have a lot of favorite matches. I actually, as weird as it is from like, I guess, a feminist standpoint, I, I actually really love the house, the good housekeeping match between Jeff Jarrett and China where she won the intercontinental title. Um, it's wrestling at its like absolute goofiest. But the way, one of my pet peeves, anyone who listens to any of my shows knows, one of my biggest pet peeves is when they do a, a no DQ weapons type match. And all you get are the same type of weapons of like kendo stick, trash can, steel chair, table ladder. Like You see them all in like various iterations, but nothing irks me more than when you take a, high concept premise of a a weapons match, like a housekeeping or a street fight or whatever, and you limit it to like mundane, like regular wrestling objects. So in the good housekeeping match, one of the things I really like about it is the clever use of the various props that are around because it's all like household stuff. And the, the thing is you have to use a household item. And inevitably when China wins, it's by smashing Jeff Jarrett with his own guitar. And as commentary so hilariously points out, That's a household item in Jeff Jarrett's household. So it counts, which is one of my favorite little like commentary, like qualifiers. Um, But I I just think it's a weirdly fun match to watch. And that story, as um, not as dated as it is in so many ways, uh, actually really did sell China as a powerhouse and as a dominant figure. And it was like an extended story that they did with her they did so much wrong with China in hindsight because of the era in which she was coming up, but like, you can't argue that they didn't give her the belt in that moment. Like they did. And, um, she would pair up with various wrestlers throughout the rest of her run in WWE. But like that moment was hers alone specifically, which I think is really cool, even though it comes with a ton of like strings attached, obviously on a t- ton of like background garbage. Um, I really loved a lot of what came out of Beyond Wrestling. Um, Beyond was kind of the stalwart, of, has been like the stalwart of mixed Wrestling. wrestling. Um, a lot of independents have picked it up in recent years, but Beyond was doing it when they were still kind of a pseudo, almost customs company. And um, I think something that doesn't get stated nearly enough when people dismiss Intergender Wrestling is that Intergender Wrestling has a ton of background in customs matches. Um, which is why so many people like you know the customs is still kind of a dirty word or like still kind of thought of as a taboo subject in the world of wrestling but it's existed for as long as wrestling has so why it's so stigmatized is so odd to me but intergender wrestling is a huge part of customs matches so I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people still kind of frown at intergender wrestling because it's something that they think of as like they call it various things as unbelievable or promoting domestic violence. But I think also in the back of my mind, a lot of people think it's kind of dirty, like, you know, pervy. Um, but Beyond has always done really good stuff. I mean, even in the earliest days, they were having top level competitors who they were, tra- like, were training in and around that region, coming in and doing these matches for their shows, which then were just like little studio tapings. And you could see some really top tier talent. Um, I really enjoy the series that, uh it's funny because a lot of these people you know they have up and down personal lives but matches themselves um I really enjoyed the series between Chris Dickinson and Kimberly that extended through several years and had several waves of it um so that was something I kind of found early on whenever I was um whenever I was getting into wrestling uh, I, one of my absolute favorites still is Davian versus Josh Briggs at Beyond's Lit Up, which was an all in, mixed gendered uh, show. There was also a really great match between Karen Q and Jonathan Gresham in that show. Um, that whole show is a lot of fun to watch. A lot of really great wrestlers are featured on that show, but uh, Davian and Josh Briggs was really great because Josh Briggs is this you know huge guy, and Davian is this like pretty powerful, like compact but like you know fairly built woman. And she's playing the heel in that, which I hadn't really seen in an intergender match, like not done like shrewishly. She's not doing that. She's doing something completely different and it works really well. So that left an impression on me. And I also just think Davian's awesome. And I think more people need to know her. Um, but yeah, there's a couple of them. I could go on. I mean, there's so many good ones.
2: I guess I'll, I'll wrap up this uh, beautiful icebreaker here. No, I'm loving this conversation so far because I also was going to mention the uh, famous uh, Jeff Jarrett and and China match. And like, it's amazing to kind of like hear both of like uh, DQ and M both of your like respective takes on it, because like, this is a match I saw when I was like, like seven years old or whatever. So like, I only remember it kind of like as a childhood event, like, oh, look, China won the title, right? But to like think of it from these different perspectives is actually like really interesting. And I remember at the time, It was a really big deal too, right? It was a really big deal to see China winning the belt. To to actually having to see like Jeff Jarrett put her over. And if I'm not even, if I'm not mistaken, she also feuded a little bit with Chris Jericho at the time too. And it might've even gone over Jericho or maybe Jericho was the one that won the belt for something happened. Once again, it's been a long time since I thought about this match, but that was probably the first intergender match that that really made an impression on me. And I think it's also interesting to like, it kind of like we're touching upon a little bit here, like reflecting on that time in wrestling and like how far we've come since then. Right. Like obviously as like a society too. Like that's a whole broader like point or whatever. But I think about how, like crack me if I'm wrong, this is old nineties wrestling lore as well. Like, Disco Inferno the reason he first got fired from WCW is because he refused to put Jacqueline over because there was like a big bust up over like apparently they were like gonna try and do like a similar angle like what would happen with Jeff China and Jeff Jarrett but disco was oh no I why would I put a woman over blah, blah like that sort of thing and like. Obviously, there's like still that current that I'm sure a lot of uh, wrestlers would 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 do these days. But once again, we're we've so moved far uh, uh, beyond a lot of that to where like there's an actual like like intergender wrestling is much more of like a a thing than it was uh, uh, in those days. But I was also going to say China and Jeff Jarrett was probably the first intergender match that really like I can remember as like being a big angle that that made an impression on me. Back to you, Zach.
0: I was thinking like when you bought the housekeeping match, it reminded me recently the, uh, I don't know M, if you saw the, uh, I don't forget what Johnny, uh, John Morrison was calling himself for the WrestleCon show. Johnny WrestleCon versus Ty Taka in a loser does dishes match. I watched it. It was like, they everything was like dish related. It was like, they had like the whole it was a very like it was a death match basically with like dishes that and it ends with the kitchen sink, everything, but and the kitchen sink was brought in this match because uh what's his name? Oh Pero came in <laughs> like with the kitchen sink. Is. It's a fun match, and it's like I'd recommend it. it's kind of fun. It's kind of weird at points, like where John he just he really plays up that he does not want to do dishes because loser has to do dishes forever.
1: <laughs> and one of the wildest energetic matches I, I saw was at the second um second intergender bonanza which was another it it still happens stan styles intergender bonanza it was the second one it was in a ballroom in west virginia and um it featured the main event was sue young versus stan styles and it it featured in the corner of this ballroom near ringside there was a couch that also was a bed like it was a convertible like couch into bed and it did get used in this match there was also a like a coffin a series of coffin spots um there's all kinds of stuff there's blood there was all kinds of there's there's blood there was mist there was um whatever stan was packing which in those days i think he was still using some kind of like shake weight like goo Um, but yeah that was completely bizarre but you know what honestly again like fun and when you, when you allow your wrestlers, when you build an environment where your wrestlers can like, can be playful, especially when it's like a no DQ match, um, it befits it to, it, it allows people to be able to commit so much more to it. It allows people to bring so much more to it. And I think that, um, there's so many fans who look at wrestling in like a certain scope and that's okay. Like they may have their preferences, but as I was just talking about earlier today, like your personal preference shouldn't define what a wrestler wants to do with their time and their energy. Like your personal preference against intergender wrestling shouldn't say, shouldn't define what this professional wrestler can and can't do because you're putting your own limits on somebody who has nothing to do with you. Their, their limits are, they're not limiting and like, they don't have to listen to you but I think a lot of fans still feel like they have some kind of ownership over these wrestlers or like they're looking out for them in a way that's like you, what you're putting on them is doesn't belong to them.
3: Yeah, I hear you, Em. I, I, I was thinking about like what, like if it matters if intergender wrestling gets to the mainstream, like if that's if that's the goal, like it it seems like for it to be like a um yeah, i guess accepted by the wrestling pop uh, like fan base at large it would need to seep in but i don't know I, I i don't know if it matters you know but it does feel like it's i i we had talked about this a little bit before um the show uh it does feel like the future like we're going toward toward this um breaking down like all of these um invisible walls um and uh it's just a matter of time before people get with it. But I think the the prejudice or like the 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 hill it's up against is like, so I only watch like matches that are kind of recommended to me when it comes to WWE. Um, and one of them was uh the recent Rousey and Flair uh deathmatch at Backlash. And in the build up, then the video they showed, you know, to build up like Flair's um, submission skills, like basically her figure eight, she did it on Drew Gulak. And that was like, whoa, this guy tapped out. But in real, you know, in the WWE reality, this pretty much ensures that G- Gulak won't ever like, I mean, not that he was competing like in any like meaningful way, at least if, if titles mean anything or if wins and losses mean anything. I think that's kind of the hill it's being built up against is usually it means um, less, like fewer opportunities to like go up the card or make money. Um, So it it stinks, you know, it absolutely stinks that like people's career trajectory, you know, like Gulak agreeing to do something like that or anybody in his spot, traditionally, at least in this mainstream sense, it actually like works against them by owners or bookers who, see that it's like well you tapped to a female um good good luck in your future endeavors or whatever in one way it's showing rousey or not rousey uh flair you know dominate a male so you know thus she should be able to dominate anyone and it's still kind of playing on that you know that once you can beat a man you know i think things like that are i don't buy into it but I think, like I, you know, identifying like how it does actually work against male wrestlers if they're working under somebody who you know, still believes in these completely outdated, these outdated concepts. When, when you know, you have McMahon himself admitting to whatever uh, state officials that it's all a work, so he doesn't have to pay whatever taxes or whatever it was that he was trying to avoid, but they still. Um, you know they they still do shit like that good yeah
1: and it's not made any better by the fact that the you know now the the biggest competitor at least in this country um in the like western re- wrestling world the biggest competitor to wwe being aew and you know tony khan coming out of the gate and just being like i'm not gonna do i don't want to do intergender wrestling on aew because i think it you know it's troubling or promotes domestic violence etc like that old you know sorry sorry, tired, tired story, and then getting like really close to it, flirting with it, signing so many wrestlers who have a ton of mixed gender work in their professional career. I mean, we're not just talking about the fact, like, it's not a secret that wrestlers train together, you know, independent wrestlers, they're not like, they're not in separate dojos. They're not like, it's. this isn't the system that they have in Japan the vast majority of wrestlers train together. So women and, and non-cis male wrestlers train right next to, right alongside, right with male wrestlers. They, they are in the ring together from the beginning. They train with, with they have trainers of every gender. So they're completely used to it. Even Even guys who, even, you know, the occasional male wrestler, who's like not particularly into doing intergender work, They're used to it. It just may not be their their preference of match. But then you have the largest companies pretending that this reality doesn't exist. That this isn't like, this isn't how wrestlers become wrestlers. And it's absurd because no, but like all these people that they signed in AEW, all these people from the independents, especially, you know, with beyond being this kind of de facto farm league for, for AEW for so much of the talent that they have coming up there, all of these competitors did have done high profile intergender work in major shows on like major shows, major cards. like they have worked together. Many of these people ha- like who were signed literally were in rings together. so it's funny like it, getting signed can be such an amazing thing for a wrestler, but it can also if you're getting signed to a major company, it can mean that a lot of the skills that you have been able to display to audiences, a way of building your following and fan base has to go by the wayside i think someone like chris statlander who i adore but you know some of the best matches i got to see her in and beyond were in were mixed gender matches and it's it's just so sad and and like hardcore matches um that like i'm simply not getting to see her in in AEW, and it's like that's a bummer and i kind of knew that when she got signed i was hoping it might things might change by now but it's you know they still flirt with these like mixed gender tag matches and it's like for me that's almost worse than not having anything because it's like you're getting so close and then nothing like no none nothing you have the perfect combinations and yet you just won't let them touch huh it's too much
0: yeah chris stantler is a person that stands out my mind like being able like because i know she's had some great matches and beyond um yeah. I always think like the other excuse that's often used, cause I don't think the crowd would have a problem with Like, I think it's not the crowd that has a problem. It's like, they overthink like the, uh, it's always like the advertisers, like the advertisers will pull money and whether that's true or not, like maybe it's just like overblown. Like, I think that's always been just a convenient excuse. Cause it's just like, Oh, we, we, we would want to do it, but then their advertisers would pull out. And so like, we can't be able to have the show anymore. Um, because it promotes like the typical like domestic violence type angles and stuff like that. It's like, I, I don't subscribe to that of course, but it's, um, it's a frustrating hill to fight.
3: Even the idea of like letting, um, you know, allowing like female wrestlers to bleed on TV has been like a recent, you know, like just like a recent like thing that uh, maybe not in WWE, but like AEW is obviously not worried about that. But even that, like, whoa, well, you know, we can't show these female wrestlers bleeding. Uh, it's it's too close to, uh, I guess, whatever concept of like real violence. They think that it, it would be pointing to another topic is more intergender. But just the del- this delicate, we must we must uh, really make sure that this not seen as real violence. Whereas, you know, like I'm saying, it's every other time on the card, it's like. It's shown. So like, why wouldn't you just accept that it happens across the board? WWE is just the most dunkable thing on this on our show, but it's these these boundaries or these like um little signposts or whatever that they pass when the, all the while they're like, you know, touting having Stephanie come out and tell them what milestone they recently passed on the feminist kind of sweeps. It's it's all rooted in a lot of uh. Just uh, misogyny at the root, obviously. But for a company that touts so much like Feminist Milestone, uh, they've impacted a lot of progress being made, uh, ironically.
0: Just that point here, just thinking, like, like, we dunk on WWE a lot, but I think AEW, like, as much as I enjoy AEW much more than WWE, they have a lot of major failings when it comes to women's wrestling. like. There's always a joke. I'm on the Wrestle Discord. Shout out to Wrestle <laughs> uh, They're good and they have a, but some of the best takes. But like they always say, oh, it's nine thirty on Dynamite. That's the women's match because it's it's always nine thirty. It's always one match. So Though they, they may occasionally have like a women's like Dynamite this week had the the Brit match and then then had a, a women's promo match. So it's like oh yeah, two women show. Oh, yeah, two women's segments that's 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 progress, I guess you could be doing it more, and it's like think it's such a frustrating thing to think that like that like one of the best alternatives there are still has these major failings, and like nothing's perfect I have yeah I'll be honestly like nothing's perfect. I still enjoy the product, but I wish it could be just better.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think there's this knee-jerk reaction too of people who are really excited about AEW and like for for just cause. Like, there's a lot to be excited about with AEW, um, but I think that there is this knee-jerk fan reaction that like if you criticize anything, it's like, how dare you? How dare you talk 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 them down on this? Don't you understand we're fighting a good fight here? And I think I think they're right in that it is a good fight to have a sizable competitor to WWE that doesn't have the restrictions that WWE has. You know. Like WWE is the, the death star, and everyone else is rallying around like against it. Um, that being said, like when you compare the women's divisions of the currently active women's divisions of WWE and um, AEW, especially when you look at things like, I again, I don't watch WWE product, but I literally just had a conversation with um, oh with Tom at PW Torch about what's going on in NXT right now, and he said that virtually the like most recent episode or one of the most recent episodes of NXT was like virtually all women's matches which like you don't even get like AEW dark or AEW dark elevation or AEW dark elevation semicolon return blah 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 blah. like you don't get any of that on even their like web-based shows so that's pretty incredible like just from a just from a pure statistic standpoint like WWE is still beating AEW in two key factors. They're beating them in exposure for their women's roster and they're beating them in women's fan, in women fan demographics. They're still beating AEW in that. There's a lot of reasons to that, but I think one of the biggest is they have fully formed female characters. Are they inconsistent with booking? Yes. Do they highlight like four people and no one else? Absolutely. Do they go, do they do nothing with their women's tag division? Absolutely. Yes, the the evidence is right there from everything that just happened this week. But they still have given more time and priority to their women's division over the last couple of years than AEW has. And AEW was starting off on the strongest foot of all of them. AEW made a ton of promises. WW never made us. Um, so they still have yet to live up to those promises for their women's division. They really have.
2: I think at the end of the day, the women's roster in WWE right now, like whether we like it or not, since, you know, WWE is WWE, right. It's just a lot deeper than the women's roster in AEW, right. There's a lot of talent on the WWE women's roster. right? If I am watching anything on WWE, it probably is a women's match, right? Like I did see some of the Charlotte Ronda match that you touched upon earlier, uh, DQ. Right. And I wonder the question, if anything, this kind of leads to a question that I think in my head that I'd be curious where others thoughts are, is that, is it, because WWE's women's roster is deeper than AEW's, or is it a conscious decision on the part of AEW and Tony Khan not to have as many women's matches? Like, is that is it because there's not enough? There's not as much uh, talent to work with, so to speak, as there is in WWE, or is it, or is it an actual conscious decision to say, like you said, Zach? Okay, 9:30. We got the segment out of the way. We can say that we did this, right? Is there an actual like reason, or is it just booking? I don't know. That's a, a thought that I constantly have in my head.
1: Our theory, we have a couple of running theories at Great and Glutter, because this is a pet project of ours of just like being disappointed with AEW's women's division. Um, the biggest issue is booking, and the biggest issue is that because there's not really one like there's not really a specific person who is taking charge of AEW's women's division um you could say the same thing for wwe too like there's probably a lot of cooks there there's a lot of writers um a year ago maybe a year ago maybe a little bit before then a person could still make the argument to me that like the roster wasn't deep enough at AEW for their women like it just wasn't as deep as wwe is and now wwe has a very very deep pool but now considering how many women are signed and or regularly appearing in AEW, regularly appearing meaning like as regular as their women get featured um you couldn't make that argument they have a very deep bench they just they have not built those characters enough because they haven't booked them consistently and they haven't given them stories to run with um i made a joke recently about how every women's feud in AEW is like i'm the bitch you're a bitch you're a slut i'm a bitch you're the bitch you're a, i'm a i'm the bitch you're a bitch bitch Like that's, and that is, that's 99% of the AEW women's storylines. And the reason isn't because these women aren't good at promos. They're they're great. Like a lot of these great, I mean, Britt has done fabulous improvement over the last two years. Um, Nyla is great on the mic when she gets a chance to like rip into people. Like there's a lot of really good people, um, a lot of good talent who could do more with stories. If the booking gave them more to do, um, when you consider something like we've all a lot of us have been like kind of grossed out by how much slut shaming has been going into the like storyline with scorpio versus sandy Guevara and ty conti and it's like it sucks i mean it's part of wrestling culture to call women hoes okay got it um it would be cool to see them do something more creative or at least you know land another type of insult but I kind of also get why that doesn't happen because literally they've been given nothing. What do you, what do you do? Like the women are calling each other bitches and sluts. Nobody's like getting any kind of real storyline aside from that. So like, of course you're going to, you're going to drop to like the baseline insults that have always been used because you don't have any other character work to draw from. That's the big story issue. So my, my long story short, my, I always come back to the booking. The booking is not doing the women any favors. It certainly doesn't do them any favors by not giving them enough matches on Dynamite. One match for a two-hour show is ridiculous when you consider everything that the men are able to do with their stories. And you think about all the rich storytelling that, that AEW has been able to do with their men's division. None of that has been really present in AEW's women's division. None of it.
3: Em, I, don't, I don't know if you watched this <laughs> Rhonda uh charlotte uh recent match but it, it's so it's wild you called it because th- they're in the middle of this match they're literally because the mic's getting thrust in their face every other second is an i quit match actually not a death match essentially uh and the most of the time when the, the microphone was thrust is like no i'm not quitting you bitch and then back the other way like you are the bit literally saying what you just said which is blowing my mind so we do a little thing here and um the the millions out there listening are familiar with the wwe death knell of the week uh which is basically points to a recent the most recent example that they're on their way out uh even if there's a bit if they they're generating billions of dollars and i think it would be like having sasha and naomi walk out even if it's storyline to point to that as something to like draw heat or, I mean, it points to a very real problem, Sasha at the very least has had with the company in the past, which I don't think is a very positive or healthy thing to point back to or exploit, Um, but I'm not making money off of it. So who am I? Um, But I think um, just like uh, some of them's uh, points about having like storyline, real conflict to draw from, um feuds that go further than name calling i think it'd be a shame to to get through the episode also without pointing back to stardom and the way that they treat women's wrestling and really produce i think a lot of the best female wrestlers in the world um kyrie couldn't get back there soon enough right kyrie saying uh um but they have the factions like donna del mondo that actually like splinters when a feud gets too hot like between like Surrey. And I think Julia, um, and there's actually like really complex, like competitive spirit there. It's just kind of gives you a glimpse into what, what, you know, even even with like language bears, they do a really good job, at least for us um, who speak English on getting the commentary. So we actually have an idea that these feeds are, are really heated and very personal and very competitive in a way that's not just about you know backbiting or anything but you know you have a title that i really want and i i think like being in this faction or whatever is going to prevent us from from getting along anymore it just kind of gives you an idea because you're yeah you're you're helping me understand uh a lot like with wwe they even held a lot of these like women's tournaments a few years back and had like these very specific shows when NXT was kind of hitting in all cylinders, uh, rip NXT uh, 1.0, uh, but it did produce a lot of like content going every which way and kind of like um, the independent market, like uh, female wrestling is just doing a good, great job of spotlighting. We can we can dunk on all these, these feds, but I feel like uh, stardom is, I, that might be my favorite promotion altogether at this point but um it's a it's a it's a hefty alternative to these attempts by these main more mainstream companies in the in the states here
0: i'm hoping with like aw has a deep women's roster they have a deeper roster than they had like two years ago i'm hoping they get even deeper and there's part of me, I wish, is like Kenny Omega had the book. It's like that was the first thing about like how AEW was originally booked. Like Kenny Omega was like the women's booker. I think Cody was a different booker, and Young Books were the tag booker. But I feel like Kenny probably has a better idea how to book women's matches than like Tony Khan, it seems like. Or just like, because once something happened, he like Tony's like, I'm taking over. It's like you guys are all chaotic, which may have been the case, but I feel like. Tony just needs to like not micromanage that level and like have someone competent book it and like have him have the wherefall to uh let go of his controlling hands and like let competent, like let people like book stuff and it's like I'm excited for hopefully Kansas Larry showing up or Dakota Kai or with Dakota Kai, Evie, I think her indie name was. I like to segue. To talk about enjoy wrestling, which instead of talking about AEW, we'll talk about enjoy. Which, um, you were at the show, I mean, I was at the show, you can't see me, it's you, they can see you on the show because you're in the front row, but like I'm in the second balcony for the most of that show. But uh, yeah, we were just going to talk about Renegades one and two because three's tomorrow as we're recording this. Um,
3: oh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Just stumbled upon that brilliance. Uh, that yeah. I thanks for sharing. Zach has done a really good job um, getting this promotion on our radar, especially on the west coast. So like M says, there's no excuse. All this stuff's available online now. Um, just the vibe of it seemed really fun. I re- I envy not having to show that close. and so like that cool and inclusive. Um, it was cool to see Veda Scott uh doing commentary um i think the person i was most uh, impressed with i had never it was my intro to trisha dora right um and the match with um price uh alec price right um i really like trish um i was i thought it was cool i think she used a freddie gibbs uh song for her intro and um uh, as as Markdom goes i'm a mark for freddie gibbs um so that that was cool. I really loved the lariat, Tubman. I was like, "Oh my god!" I'd never heard that. And it was like so brilliant. But um, yeah, it was just kind of uh, Trish had like so many cool, like inventive, like roll ups that remind me of a lot of, more like the technical side of lucha libre. Um, this really cool one where she pinned down Alex's hand. I don't even know how to describe. There's probably a name for it. Um, But um, she had, like, some really intricate roll-up with both the shoulders down, and then his hand was kind of, like, struggling to get out under, and she pinned that down, too. And I was like, Trish is paying attention to detail on a level. Like, (laughs) it was really impressive. But the tag match, too, I I thought was cool. You know, there was no, like, uh, was it? Violence is forever went over, and, you know, they... They had the female go over in the first match. And then and I don't know what kind of run of terror the violence is Forever is on, but they seem to be a dominant tag team. But yeah, thanks for intro, and I, I was really, um, I'm just like really uh, pr- proud in a way because Zach has helped facilitate us being like a sponsor um, to this show. And I was really like proud to see our logo on there as like, um, I guess just like, you know, a full disclosure, like we proudly um, sponsor this show and um, are uh, are really, I don't know, it just like, it was like right on. Like, this is a great thing to be part of. So that, that was my initial thoughts.
0: Yeah, I was going to say my thoughts was the uh, Trisha Dora. I was the first I saw Trisha Dora too. And she just had like a really good match on, I mean, we were kind of dunking on AEW, but like she had a really good match with Mercedes Martinez for the ROH title recently on AW Elevation, I believe it was. Um, but yeah, and I there's a short downtime. time. I saw Alec Price, who was like the most non-Southie Boston person that I've ever seen. Like he was just very, very Boston or Massachusetts. I forget what part he's from. But uh and it was nice the uh I've become a marker for of violences forever. Uh, I love Dom's mullet. I know many uh comrade, like fellow pittsburgh-based podcaster own hip well it's very similar to that <laughs> um uh, and uh kevin Koo is a, really looks cool and that team the uh oh, what was their name
1: Kings of the district
0: kings of the district that, that was the first time i saw them and they really kicked ass too they like uh jace went full bar and they just... yeah
1: K- uh kod are my favorite they were probably my I, actually that that tag match is tough for me because i love both teams very very deeply but uh, KOD are probably my current favorite tag team. I, I think what Eel and Jordan are doing is so special. Um, I think they managed to do, they managed to have that great tag team chemistry while um, being just phenomenal singles wrestlers in, in their own right. Jordan Blade is one of my absolute favorite uh, uh, wrestlers working right now. Um, she can work pretty much every style with Panache, but like sh- her strong suit is in technical wrestling in it, and she brings power, added power to it while Eel brings like speed and agility. Um, and sometimes these things could be combative in a team, but for them, they work so beautifully together. Um, so I just, I absolutely love Kings of the District um, and Violence of Forever are great. It's funny that you uh, make the comparison about Dom Guarini um to like like hipsters because i just see dom and i'm like yeah that's like you know your dad's like you know that's the like you know pipefitters union guy hanging out in your dad's bar um he looks like every dude that was in like south hills when i was growing up he looks like every single guy in the 90s um so i think it's funny because yeah you're right that sounds kind of been co-opted but man it was it was uh, like uncles and his best friends down at the bar in the 1990s in the south hills of pittsburgh yeah um I love Trishadora Dora. Uh, we talked to her last year on our podcast and she is blowing up to the extreme, which I am so excited for because everybody should see her. Alec Price, I had never seen him in person, but I was familiar with his work um, through Limitless and uh, he's made some beyond appearances and he does the Northeast circuit pretty, pretty frequently. So he's been in and around. I just had never seen him in person before. Uh, he does a good, he, he's a good shit heel. I, I yeah. enjoyed, enjoyed it a lot he was good at he was excellent at that um yeah so really great really great opening episode for this season it was fantastic to start off with a tag match as good as violence is forever versus kings of district i both teams are just top of their game i i could see them going places really really soon
0: mm-hmm. yeah i was gonna say like i like the presentation of enjoy just to bring it up it's like uh they've brought back the moving, they brag about how they brought out the moving graphics uh, for their previews for matches, which is a thing that more companies should do. It's cool to have like the wrestlers, not just stack images, have them actually move around. And I do like the pronouns and the chyrons. I think that's really, that's a simple accessibility thing. Like that's a cool thing. I remember they didn't have the uh, ASL interpreter for this tape because I know like the first one we did, they had like ASL interpreters for enjoy. They didn't have them for this uh, renegade. Their announcer is cool. I, I mean, is a uh, gem. A uh, correspondent. I know Jem says they're correspondent for Britain Glare.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. McPhear is a correspondent for us, um, as well as a long time like like journalist and um, uh, you know musician and just you know all around amazing talent around town. But uh, they are. Uh, they've had a long time relationship with the people with some of the people who run fest wrestling and some of those who spun off into enjoy wrestling. And so they built a really great connection there. And um, I think that that uh, connection has really paid off really well. Um, they do phenomenal work on announcing and I, I also love their backstage interview segments. So yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, it's funny because I felt like we were standing in the like gem fan section because it was like a bunch of people who, who knew gem, but not necessarily who were wrestling fans. So they were like, cheering as much for Meg every time they were in the ring as as they were any of the wrestlers which I thought was 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 great very uniquely enjoy
0: yeah I recently found my trivia to show up Pittsburgh's always a small town I trivia teammate who's my college well my college IEP uh person's uh Sam she uh turns out she was new new Meg from um the hardcore scene so it's like one is like oh of course everyone knows if everyone is town so it's it's nice knowing that, and maybe I'll get Meg on my trivia team, which will be nice. I always, I always need a good team for Jin Tectonics. Um, <laughs> did you watch the second episode, DQ?
3: Not yet. Uh, I think j- I just got the link for the first one, but I'm definitely episode. glad to check it out. Yeah,
0: two good matches. I mean, it's uh, Ziki Dice versus Edith Surreal, um, who's a really cool uh, Edith Surreal. I got her autographed, she was really nice. Uh, felt she felt bad yeah i only had like a 20 she could not break my 20s like yeah, i'll just take it like this is also like during the stuff the like the really bad trans laws happens like i was like saying it's like comrades like you always need like we have to protect trans rights and stuff like that. So like i don't care if that, you can't break a 20 because i just took a sticker and she's like oh it's fine <laughs> and then uh zicky dice was interesting see i never saw him wrestle before he was quite a character <laughs> um and then the main event was uh the production um which is uh ziggy haim it's funny like uh i, m- I remember a couple of weeks ago where i was like i had this uh swedish fish energy drink that i was going to drink while we were going to record and that's basically a ziggy haim posted on twitter about it and it's like that looks interesting i'll try it and then, uh, it smells like swedish fish but like it tastes like it, one it tastes like swedish fish for one second and then it, uh then it uh, doesn't. <laughs> um, but I like the production, the Rip City. Uh, what was it? like? I mean, do you remember? The, like, it's the Rip City Brawlers, right?
1: It is the production in Rip City Shooters.
0: Shooters, yeah. It yeah. came out to the Scott Hall uh, music from his like late 2000s, which is always nice. And then the uh, opponent was uh, MSP? Or- yeah.
1: There is uh, Billy Dixon and Mikey Montgomery pairing uh, with uh, MSP.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, yeah, it was uh,
1: yeah, that was the first time I'd ever saw MSP live and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I have seen most of these other guys, I think I've seen most of the other people in these matches. I hadn't seen Zicky Dice live, so that was fine. I've seen Zicky on a couple of shows. Uh, he runs his own independent, like he does his own like little shows every once in a while. Well, that's kind of setting, but he, he runs independent shows occasionally under his own name. Um, so I've seen like one or two of those and they're great. Uh he's been on he was on NWA when I was still watching that. Uh <laughs> it was easier to watch. Um, edith is obviously a fixture around this regions wrestling independent scene. Um, she is phenomenal. And uh and actually when we talk about like formative intergender matches, one of my absolute favorites starting off the gate was back when Ziggy was still performing, was still wrestling under the name Jinx and she and Derek had a match at Rise Wrestling that I just thought was fantastic. I mean, it was pretty classic setup, um, kind of, you know, Derek playing the asshole, but Derek always plays an asshole. Um, and uh, back then when, uh, in Rise, when Jinx, because Jinx was a face there, Jinx was a face there. Um, I think she still is. Um, yeah, so it was just a classic dynamic, but it worked really well. And they actually kind of used that same chemistry in their tag team. um, there were a lot of moments where like Derek will use Ziggy basically as a projectile. And that happened a lot in their match against each other. So it, you know, now he's just using her as a projectile against wrestlers that they're fighting against, which I think works pretty neatly. Uh, Yeah. So this this is a fun one. Um, These eight man matches are a staple of enjoy. They usually have at least one per their season, but of the ones that have happened over the last couple of uh, seasons, I actually think this was one that was the best. I think it held together the best.
0: Yeah, because Billy came out to uh, Purple Rain. Yeah. And that was uh, good. And yeah, I remember seeing Jinx uh, very long, very long. I have this thing, the uh, Rise, the attempted women's promotion Rise. It was in White Oak. And it had like, all, it was Impact, IWC, and Rise. So it had like all the champions. It had Britt Baker. It had like. Nicole Savoy, who's sadly just retired. Um, Mercedes Martinez they had all these it's crazy looking at that card in retrospect. You've seen like how many women's wrestlers are at. And it was like eight hours long. It was a long ass show. And I told that to Ziggy recently. So, oh my God. <laughs> uh, but uh I'm really happy for enjoy. I'm glad they actually show in Pittsburgh because I'm just a very Wimpy person is like, I just want to be in the city because I live in Bloomfield now. I run into, I always run like see MV Young around me now. It's always weird. I always want to say something, but it's like, yeah, don't want to bug you while you're just on your bike. <laughs> um, yeah, with that, um, we can like finish up with the shout outs because as part of my uh, way of fundraising for Western PA Fund for Choice for the abortion fundathon. And when donates, um, they get a shout out. And this is kind of very pertinent because I didn't realize 10 days ago, Enjoy Wrestling uh, donated $50 to our uh, promotion. And that person, uh, Georgia Burr, uh, the social chair. Uh, well, really nice comrade, uh, a genius. And she also donated $50. Um, so I'm like looking at now, 338 at my $500 goal. Overall, we've raised $12,000. We just raised over $12,000. We raised over $10,000 a couple of weeks ago. So we've gone past that goal and we're keep on rolling. Western PA funds for choice. It's getting close to $45,000 for this fund fund. I'm kind of depressed how it's why it's getting a lot more money now <laughs> because of the uh, existential crisis we face a little bit. Um, not a little bit. We facing a big crisis. Um, yeah, I want to thank M for showing up for this i'm glad we were able to record this it's always nice to see you and i always like to bump into you at shows um hope hope bump you at the enjoy show july 2nd
1: <laughs> oh yeah i'll be there we're probably um if anyone local is listening to this um myself and a friend of mine who also got into wrestling um around the same time i did we're gonna be putting together a little uh like i don't call it a happy hour because it's not gonna be specific but we're gonna put it together a little pre-show gathering for any local fans who want to chill and hang out prior to the show um because millville there's no shortage of like fun places to to hang that are right around the corner from the venue um mr smalls where enjoy runs. so if you're local and you're going uh check it out we'll be posting more information as we make plans
0: yeah and um uh, you want to like post information about grit and glitter we'll put in like the show yeah. notes if you can like Plug yeah, we
1: um, yeah, we're really easy to find. Just grit and glitter on any of the you know places you find your podcasts. Um, we release new episodes every Tuesday, so every Tuesday morning, um, you'll get a new episode in your feed. Uh, we've had recent episodes um, about the rising stars of 2022. We've had uh, just had an interview with Bonesaw Brooks, who came back to wrestling in 2021. We've got a lot of great content coming up for the month of June, especially. So please find us, um, subscribe, or just check us out. We also have a Patreon. Um, which we use primarily the funds uh, we use primarily to support independent wrestling. So it's not like going into our pockets. It's literally going into enjoy wrestling. It's going to wrestlers lab. It's going to various promotions. Um, so that, and hopefully like pride and vibe weekend in uh, Jersey, we'll probably be putting some money into that too, because we believe in that wrestling and we know that our listeners believe in it too. So all the money that goes into our Patreon goes right back into that ecosystem so yeah if you can check us out patreon.com slash great glitter pod and we've got bonus podcasts there and all kinds of other fun things so yeah and we're online find me online yeah
0: yeah speaking of like saying like wrestling trips like this is our preeminent episode before we um go out to vegas for double or nothing so yeah we're i'm excited to meet dq in the person i met austin i've met austin a lot more times but i've never (laughs) met dq And to our comrade Maria, who unfortunately couldn't make it, and CB, who watched Dynamite with us, but you need to go to sleep. But um, yeah, we're like, I'm really excited to be able to go out there and like watch AEW as much as I'm gonna have fun just being with comrades and like enjoying the casino because I'm gonna be there for me and Austin. We're we're taking over Vegas for six nights. That's like my (laughs) uh, goal right now. So
1: awesome. yeah have fun everybody
0: yeah yeah so austin dq do you have anything to like plug or talk about
3: (laughs) yeah i'll say uh austin feel free to jump in uh i was gonna say um sorry creative didn't have anything for maria or cb tonight we'll try to write you back into the show next week Um, when we get together for our vegas trip One thing we talked about uh, doing, so I'll just note real quick, it's the seventh week of the Stardust Streak. Cody has avoided becoming Stardust, but the countdown is on. We're into the seventh week of the streak, so we'll keep watch until that happens. Um, Yeah, the only thing I would say is just join your local tenants union. Fight like hell. We'll see you on the streets. Austin? So first of all, I just feel compelled
2: to say that DQ, I hope you know that I pop anytime I'm listening and you say creative didn't have anything for me. So thank you. This is a good bit that we need to keep going. Um, Yeah. No, as far as like plugs or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think I mentioned this last time I was on the, the Puerto Rico solidarity center that I'm working on, right. A uh, Centro solidario de Puerto Rico online, right. That's a super cool thing. I'm working on, uh, my other podcast, right. That I plug on a routine basis, right. Machete, mate and DQ you're right. Tenants unions are extremely badass. That's definitely something that people should be doing as well, as well as donating to abortion funds. Wow. That's amazing. Those are, these are all beautiful, wonderful things. I am so, so, so excited for Vegas next week. Oh my goodness. you're right. We're not just taking over Vegas. We're taking over all of Nevada. That's what's going to be happening. We're going to go to the mountains. I don't even know what's there in Nevada, Utah, the whole Rocky Mountains, all of it. It's going to be beautiful. Um, But last, but certainly not least, thank you, M. Right. I think this was a a really good discussion. I I really like this a lot. I'm definitely going to be listening to your podcast regularly. That's going to happen.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm sorry I didn't say that in my good <laughs> It's a pleasure <laughs> to right. yeah, yeah. talk outside of the show. But yeah, it was, it was super nice having you on.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, thanks guys for having me. This is a lot of fun. And I hope that people listen. And uh, you know, if they haven't already opened their hearts to Intergender Wrestling, they will most certainly mm-hmm. try it out now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have a feeling that uh, most people are cool with it. And I'm sure that people who listen to this podcast are cool with it. So it's mm-hmm. awesome.
0: Whenever you're listening to this, have a good day or good night, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I would.
2: Peace. Bye.